Apple says the future of TV is apps, but is it? And why is Verizon launching a video service nobody is asking for? This is episode 27 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I am Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. Tom, Apple says the future of TV is apps, but is it? Well, Apple knows everything. I don't know if I would debate with them, but go ahead. Is it? (laughs) Not only does Apple know everything, but Apple knows that whatever you need, Apple makes it, and it's in its enclosed system available for you through an Apple device. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah, so of course, this past week, the big presentation, the big reveal on the new Apple products for the fall, and among those products was a new version of Apple TV, and... uh, uh, it's a pretty snappy product. Have you looked at uh, the elements of it? I watched some of the uh, presentation. I mean, I look at I owned a Roku. I own an Amazon Fire TV. I mean, all this stuff. Once you start using it, I didn't see. I didn't see other than Siri. I mean, I hate searching for TV shows by by going and clicking these letters up on the alphabet to be able to just talk oh yeah, no, that's it, the worst. Right? That's the now. It, doesn't the uh, the Apple Fire TV has its own audio workaround, though, doesn't it? Yeah, until you start getting into these apps. See, we can talk about that, but that, that's, the pro- <laughs> that's the problem with all of these things, you know? It's not uniform. No. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, this, is why, this is why people love Apple. It, it's, yes, it's all a, a closed fence around the product categories, but they all work together, and yes, you can use Siri across everything. It's not just this, not that. I've heard that about Apple Fire, that that's not ideal. But you're right. Fundamentally, uh, I'm a Roku user. I use it all the time. My wife and I have an expression, let's have the Rokus over tonight. <laughs> um, and we love it, but the, the user experience leaves much to be desired. There's no question about that. Even on the Netflix app, which is really easily the best app uh, on Roku. Um, That said, it's considerably better than the user experience of going through the content on your average uh, cable TV, you would admit, right? That's true. You know, I don't know. He says the future... I I was trying to tease out what what he was really saying. The future of TV is apps... Now, first of all, yes, I, big words. I, so, first of all, I was thinking the future of TV was uh, virtual reality, but I guess that's because <laughs> I listened to Mark Zuckerberg, and he was on an investor <laughs> call talking about Facebook's purchase of Oculus for two billion dollars. So, that to him, that's mm-hmm. the future of TV. But so mm-hmm. you look at this, and anyway, isn't Cook really saying that he believes the future of TV is as a, as a display for streaming media players? Like Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Roku, right? The consumers will well, eventually cut the cable cord, stream their content via high-speed internet. Isn't that the well, implication of the future of TV is apps? I, I think you're thinking too hard because wouldn't it be easier for him to just say the future of TV it, is uh, streaming <laughs> as an alternative to over-the-air and, and cable? Um, and he didn't say that at all. What he kind of said was the future of TV is going to look a lot like the iTunes store. It's going to look like, like the app store on your, on your Mac, on your mobile device. And, I, I mean, I can't imagine no, that that's no, correct. I, I think it. Mark, listen. I think, the, <laughs> look, the, the future of TV may be Netflix and its premium content, as well as its content purchased license from elsewhere, right. Amazon and its version of same, Hulu and its version right. of same, and a handful of others. But beyond that, you go long tail very, very fast. As anyone who's ever gone down the apps in the Roku store, 
knows full well. Well, that's what I'm telling you. So as far as apps, I mean, and, and I, in the article, they even mentioned like utility apps like Zillow and Airbnb. Who, yeah, come why on. Why use the TV? Now, they also released this beautiful new, you know, iPad Pro, right? This big, right. beautiful thing. So I've got this thing sitting next to me. Why am I going to use the TV to pull up these apps like Zillow? I mean, are we going to look for homes and to buy or rent on our TV? I, 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 listen, this isn't going to happen. The, the tablets and laptops are working just fine for those types of ac- activities, right? So what's the yeah, advantage of the bigger screen? That's the thing. The advantage of the bigger screen, I think, is Apple's advantage. In other words, if I can get the people at uh, you know Gilt for shopping or uh, Zillow for real estate, if I can get them excited about creating an app for this platform, they will promote their app in this platform, which incidentally or not incidentally promotes this platform, which promotes Apple TV, which promotes right. the Appleverse. That's it. I mean, that to me is what it's about. It's about it's about evangelizing the platform to people who think they're a part of the platform in a meaningful way. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Even though they're just a tiny app in a universe of long-tail alternatives. Listen, you have apps on Roku, right? <laughs> I do indeed. I, I have apps all over Amazon Fire TV right now. So for me and you, the it, I guess the present of TV is apps, not the future, because we're already using them. It is, but let's consider how we evaluate that, how we really, you know... How you uh, use it? How we use it and think of it. I go to Netflix. I go to Amazon. I almost never go to any of these other places. I almost never use any of these other apps. And why am I going to Netflix or Amazon? Because there's content on those platforms that I want, and I can't get it anywhere else for the same reason we would go to ABC, CBS, NBC, ESPN, or anywhere else. I use one other app, I think, on my TV, and that's if... There are people coming over. I'll put on, I'll use the Pandora app and I'll right. use the music in the background because it fills the room. But I don't play Grand right. Theft Auto and Candy Crush on the TV. <laughs> but, but look at, what do I know? I'm not a gamer. All right? I, I just heard that Amazon has built an internal video game studio and they're hiring all these big name game designers. So they must think that people are going to play these games on, on the Fire TV. Well, but wait. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon has pla- has devices across platforms. Well, that's true too. Not just the TV; they have smaller screen venue. In fact, for Amazon to pr- put out a uh, a mobile gaming device uh, powered by Amazon with all kinds of awesome games on it, I could see a market. Yeah, that's for that. true. That doesn't mean but, that they think it's going to be played on the TV. Listen, that's I right. I think personally, the future of TV. If we're talking about the big shared screen in the living room, let's call the TV that. It's just great content. I mean, it's groups and families who gather around this thing. And if it's accessed by clicking an app, okay, whatever. It's whoever has the best exclusive content. Those are the people that are going to win in the future of TV. And that, Tom Asacker, is why Apple, as we both know, is putting a little toe into the content factory and trying to explore deals with the Hollywood heavyweights. God, I think I remember saying that a few episodes back that they were... Yes, you... (laughs) You predicted that quite accurately, and so far, and, and indeed, that's where they're headed. So, But fr- from their perspective, in order to build the traction, they've got to talk apps because they don't have that content made yet. That's right. You know, they're not Netflix yet. So they've got to talk apps because that's the common language that consumers and, more important, app makers understand, and they're going to let the app makers evangelize the platform. That's the way it's going to go, in my opinion. I think you've nailed it. That's exactly right.
Interestingly, one of the, the pieces we looked at said in a demo, Apple TV responded to requests as friendly and granular. This is the, the, the Siri remote, which I do think is good. As show me anything with Jason Schwartzman. And I thought, <laughs> there's a question I hope never to ask my Siri. Show me anything with Jason That's Schwartzman. That's a good one. <laughs> You're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Maysacker and Mark Ramsey. Why is Verizon launching a video service nobody is asking for? <laughs> Not that that's ever stopped anybody before, right, Tom? I love that title. I, I got to tell you, Mark, that title strikes me as so strange. The whole article to me, it was, it was struck me. Because, I mean, why is so-and-so launching something that no one asked for? Because that's yeah. what progressive companies do. They sense a marketplace desire, some kind of opening. <laughs> <laughs> they respond with some kind of product, service, content, whatever it is. I mean, no, whoever asked for streaming music or an iPhone or virtual reality? But we didn't see headlines like that, right? No, <laughs> nobody did. It's just, it's just well, doesn't, it well, doesn't make sense. That's because it's masking a larger issue, masking a larger perception, which is, I think this is crap. I just can't say that in the title of the article. Well, it made the article crap by saying it the way they said it. Look, Steve, exactly. Steve Jobs was asked how much market research was used to help in Apple's incredible string of new product successes. Mm -hmm. And he responded, none. It isn't the consumer's mm -hmm. job to know what they want, right? So Verizon's not going out into the market because a bunch of people who are signed up to their service, whatever their service is, Fios or, or, you know, the phone service, they didn't call them up and say, hey, how about you guys launch a video service? We're really dying for one. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. No, I think what Verizon is doing, the service, by the way, is called Go90, which is, I think, an awful name, but it joins, a, you know, a pantheon of awful <laughs> names that may or may not be successful regardless. Right. Um, they've done uh, deals with big brands, NFL, VH1, Food Network, ESPN, Maker Studios, Awesomeness TV, and more. So they're bringing, you know, well-known content aimed at millennial and kind of post-millennial viewers. Um, and I, I guess to me, the logic of this is, well, if you've got relationships with all these consumers right. and you've got a platform they're consuming and they're consuming it using your bandwidth that they pay right. for, um, why shouldn't you uh, add functionality, add, add content, add apps that encourages them to use more of that bandwidth and that content? Yeah. Even if you don't own the content. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Again, this article, we shouldn't have picked it. Because the other thing that was in there that, 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 that was said was something like, you know, and plus video is everywhere. So, so you know, yeah. why would you do something like that if it was everywhere? And I'm reading this. Mm. I'm saying, what? Because it's everywhere? First of all, video viewing is in a huge state of flux, right? Mm. Consumers are consuming on all kinds of screens. So nobody knows what's going to really happen. So why do it strikes me as a strange question. That's like saying, okay, in the U.S., clean running water is everywhere, so why are you selling bottled water? I mean, that didn't stop people well, from releasing dozens of bottled water brands. I think in their case, the, the answer to the question why we do it is because they can, because they have the distribution, because they have the audience, the captive audience, literally captive audience, why wouldn't you yeah. want to do it? There's one uh, quote in here from a video analyst who said, why do you come to market now with a video service? What's the real fundamental reason? It's to drive other Verizon services. Yeah, right. There's not a lot of money to be made in delivering video, and especially not if you don't own the content. And that leads to one other point, which is what does this say about the content owners? Yet again, Tom, 
all I mean the the phone is ringing at ESPN and it's Verizon on the that's other exactly. side. You're going to take that call? No, that's right. Listen, they have a segment right now that they can reach and appeal to, right? They have users that they can reach and appeal to. And, and more now because they purchased AOL. Right. So what are they doing? Just exactly what everyone else is doing. They're busy doing deals with content right. producers. Awesome, Awesomeness TV. Now, but you know, if somebody hears and they go, Awesomeness TV, that, who that? Guess what? That's a joint venture of DreamWorks Animation and Hearst Corporation. All right? Mm-hmm. So th- these, aren't, these aren't little players. These, these are big players that know what they're doing. And then, the, and then this statement in the article. Even if teens and millennials are the demographic Verizon is hoping to entice, a very real question is that with all the options out there, why would a millennial or teen turn to watch a TV show on Go90? What kind of question? I mean, with all the options out there, why did we choose to read and talk about this Wired article? I, I mean, think about what that is even saying. It doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, and, and it also kind of belies the fact that if teens can find, that if they can create, this is the other thing that's not focused on in this article, that because they own the pipes, because they're the brand of the phone, if, if they can create a shorter distance between you, the consumer, <laughs> and the content you want, the consumer will take that shortest path. They don't care that it's on Go90 or HBO or wherever. They're going to take the shortest path every time. Right. They call it reducing friction. Ah, I like that phrase, reducing friction. Write that one down. And, it, and as an important byproduct, guess what? Verizon's going to learn a lot about this dynamic and growing market for video. Yes, that was the other thing, uh, a point uh, made in one of these articles, that indeed the game here may be more than anything understanding what in fact these young people actually want to watch, what they watch, and how they can monetize that through advertising uh, uh, efforts across a variety of platforms. So it's, it turns out to be a lot smarter than it looks, no matter how good or bad the name is, Go90. Yeah, I, I'm starting to think now that when you hear a business model and you don't think it makes any sense, you should invest in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a lot of people who have a line at your door with that kind of philosophy. I'll no, I'm serious. Remember Airbnb? Who is going to rent somebody's room in their house, right? I mean, Uber. Who's going to have somebody pick you up in their own car? I think when it, when it sounds silly as hell, that's when you should dump a lot of money into it. Well, as I say, <laughs> the people are going to start knocking as soon as this podcast uh, goes live. <laughs> Okay. All right, it's time for Rants and Raves. Tom, what's on the plate this week for you? Well, you you know, I'm a Boston guy. I mean, we're recording on Patriot Day. The Patriots did win last night, thanks to Tom Terrific. So I'm going (laughs) to rant about brands and football for a minute. Now, I do not want any comments coming back at Mark and I about Spygate, Deflategate, Headsetgate, whatever gate you want to talk about, because I'm not going to talk about the Patriots. I'm going to talk about a press release that I received this week that was promoting something called the 23rd Annual Brand Keys 2015 Sports Fan Loyalty Index. Now, try to get that to spread around by talking about it. It's from a New York-based research consultancy, and according to the founder of the consultancy, Consumers have in their minds an ideal sports team, teams that are able to better meet fan expectations for that ideal 
will get emotionally engaged fans, increased game viewership, mm -hmm. and increased purchase of licensed merchandise. Imagine now, this that. Isn't, I this never isn't something from The Onion now. I never would have guessed that. Now, wait, this is where it really gets interesting. Now, the index was designed, right? Because this was an index to give professional sports team management insights that will enable them to identify areas that can, you know, they can use and to improve their strategic brand reinforcement. Okay, now get ready for this because I, I took a look at, at, at the top teams. So here are this season's NFL teams that scored. This was in the top five when it comes to fan loyalty. Yeah, you're going to love this. So here's the top five. New England Patriots, Green Bay Packers, Seattle Seahawks, Denver Bronco, Broncos, and Indianapolis Colts. So then I looked at the bottom five teams in this index, and it was the Oakland Rangers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Washington Redskins, Cleveland Browns. Mm -hmm. Now, get ready, because here comes my, I'm going to give you a clue to my, my big brand insight. It's very <laughs> subtle. The top five teams in the brand loyalty index were five of the six teams with the winningest records last year. <laughs> the bottom five teams in the index were teams with the worst overall records. Now, that's other than the Redskins. They had the 23rd worst record out of 32 teams in the NFL. <laughs> But they're from Washington, D.C., and no one wants to associate with Washington, D.C. Right. So here's your insight, sports team management people. Mm -hmm. Forget about your colors, mm -hmm. your mascots, your logos, and invest in players and coaches who can create a winning team. There you go. So that's the insight about this index. It's, now, here's one of the yeah. – you're going to love this other one. So here's another brand insight. And, I mean, football fans are going to laugh at this. Other people won't, but – Whatever. It's, an, it's a brand insight. You know how every brand obsesses over their image and their public relations? Mm -hmm. Okay. Despite everything from brain damage to off-field violence and abuse to deflated footballs, the Wall Street Journal reported that the NFL expects to bring in $1.3 billion in corporate sponsorship revenue this year. Mm -hmm. And that's a 15% increase over last year. Wow. That's in addition to TV broadcasting contracts worth roughly $30 billion through 2022. And oh yeah, the average NFL team is currently worth $1.43 billion, a 23% increase since last year. Oh man. So guess what? Here's your insight. It doesn't matter what people think about you or your brand. It's about how you bring your brand experience to life mm. for their benefit, period. And the power of scarcity to create value. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. To paraphrase the great Donald Trump, you'll be winning so much, you'll get bored of winning or tired of winning, right? I love that. That's beautiful. <laughs> All right. I've got, um, I've got a, a rant and a couple of raves. And uh, here's the rant. I'm not even sure what to make of this rant, okay? There was an article. It was in Digiday, and it was called MTV Drew... 12 million views on Snapchat during VMAs. And I thought, okay, well, that seems good. Here's Here you go again. You're that, you're that numbers. I know, I'm a number guy. Here we go. You're right. Snapchat proved a worthy second screen for MTV's Video Music Awards. A full 12 million people watched the live story from the event, according to sources. The Snapchat audience technically, exceed, technically exceeded the actual ratings of the broadcast and shows why networks and brands are supporting these alternative viewing options. By the way, Tom, I would argue that's called burying the lead, <laughs> all right? Yep. Uh, 
On TV, 9.8 million people tuned in, which represents the average viewership over the course of the broadcast, not necessarily the full tally of everyone who caught a portion of the show. On Snapchat, the average live story viewer watched for about three minutes, according to sources, which I would argue, Tom, is the second bearing the lead. (laughs) Okay, yes, tons of people are going to watch on Snapchat, and they're going to watch for a total of about three minutes. And then the other thing about this article that's interesting is they say, okay, 9.8 million people tuned in. That's the average viewership over the course of the broadcast. That means the total cumulative viewership is easily more than the 12 million Snapchat views, which means the whole premise of the article is wrong, even if they can't add up the numbers right. Um, And it's just, it's a puzzle to me, this whole piece, because they say it's an exceptionally strong live audience number and a great example of how Snapchat is naturally redefining the dual screen viewing experience for post-millennials. The VMAs, meanwhile, the VMAs had the most tweets of any event this year, excluding the Super Bowl, with 21 million. So again, I ask, okay, So there's more views for an almost infinitesimal amount of time on Snapchat than on the the show. The ratings for the show are off by 5% on television. The total views for the show are certainly more than Snapchat, although not acknowledged here as such. Um, The social for the show is through the roof, unless you're counting uh, the, the Super Bowl. What does it all add up to, Tom? I just don't have the slightest idea. Everything in the media bothers you, especially if it doesn't make sense. Why is that? You know, you've got to just laugh and go with this. I mean, none of this. I told you, none of this makes any sense. Uh, Evidently not. So here's here's rave number one. I was in the airport uh, yesterday, and I uh, ducked into Einstein Bagel to to find something good. And it turns out Einstein Bagel now is producing flatbread. And I didn't know that. I didn't expect that. But I thought, hmm, it kind of looks interesting. Let me give it a try. And oh, by the way, Tom, not just flatbread, but artisanal flatbread Uh-oh. uh register trademark artisanal are we being sponsored by einstein bagel we are not I, oh okay go ahead remind me to make a call after this podcast <laughs> is over. now by the end of this particular rave i don't think it will be um so you're mistaking the rave you're thinking that i'm gonna rave about their artisanal <laughs> flatbread well everybody else publishes stuff that you know obviously has some hidden agenda i thought That's maybe right. we were gonna do it too the, this particular artisanal flatbread served by the same you know, uh, minimum wage employees that serve all other fast food in the airport came out of the oven, piping cold, I might add. Um, and uh, fortunately, I was hungry. Otherwise, it would have been just, you know, uh, it, 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 dreadful. But no, it was awful. But my point is about this word artisanal, which obviously is popping up everywhere now. Whatever happened to make this particular word? I mean, we used to use words like handmade or, you know, uh, I don't know, craft. Remember the word craft? Yeah, but craft, I mean, that's like craft cheese. That's, that's, that's a commodity. I mean, this, this is an artisanal podcast, isn't it? It is an artisanal podcast. So here's the, real, the nub of my rave, okay? Online, I discovered this thing from a company called Smoke and Flame. Tell me if you've seen this. I have not. And it's a, it's a video because Smoke and Flame is a company supposedly based, based in Vancouver, which creates artisanal firewood. <laughs> that's, a, that's a parody. I saw an artisanal water video. I'll send it to you. Uh, well, I use the I use the supposedly in order to sustain the myth. Thanks for blowing my surprise. Oh, I'm Tom. sorry. Artisanal firewood, and if you go through the video, you'll see the tender, loving care they take in crafting 
these 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 firewood logs into a bundle, which I should add, costs more than a thousand dollars per bundle. It's that artisanal. It's just a great video. We'll have to add a link to it on the uh, on the on the the show notes. So that that's number two. Here's my final uh, ra- uh, rave. Oh, you're on a roll. Yeah, I'm a rave. I'm rolling on a rave. This is just. I just love this, okay? And I can't believe that this is going to be the third mention on this podcast for Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. But here it comes. (laughs) Again, I can't believe who else is talking about Madame Tussauds as much as we are. But Madame Tussauds (laughs) introduced a (laughs) a wax figure of Nicki Minaj. Now... Nicki Minaj, as we all know, is generally dressed almost not at all, and Madame Tussauds pulled out all the stops, and there's M- Nicki. I'm looking at a picture of her now, and she is on, as they say uh, at uh, uh, Madame Tussauds, bent over on all fours, and the problem is that certain visitors to Madame Tussauds do not have the proper respect for Nicki's wax figure. And what they're doing is they're taking photos of themselves in various compromising positions with Nikki's already variously compromised position and posting it to social media to the point where (laughs) Madame Tussauds has to actually apologize to various various, uh, 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 visitors. I'm, this sounds like a, another conspiracy, a PR thing to aware, me. <laughs> we have been made aware of the inappropriate photograph that was taken at Madame Tussauds Las Vegas involving Nicki Minaj's wax figure. By the way, Tom, did you get that? Nicki Minaj's wax, new wax figure? I, I get it. Just want to make sure it. you get all the details. I did. Madame Tussauds attractions are interactive, immersive experiences, <laughs> and our visitors are generally respectful towards the wax figure. It's unfortunate that this visitor decided to have to behave so inappropriately, and we apologize for any offense this has caused. We do have staff monitoring guest behavior in the attraction and do our utmost to ensure our wax figures are treated respectfully. But on this occasion, clearly one of our hosts was not present. We're taking immediate steps to ensure more staff are present in this area and that the uh, set around this particular figure is redesigned. So- <laughs> so that <laughs> a picture like this cannot be taken again, and no one can ever come along backside of Nicki Minaj, straddle it, and create the image that is now making the rounds on social media, which, by the way, is of N- Nicki Minaj's new wax figure at Madame Tussauds in Las Vegas. Come one, come all to Madame Tussauds. <laughs> well, let's get off of this show so I can go Google that thing and find it. <laughs> <laughs> that is Media Unplugged for this week. Please... <laughs> Wait till you see. I'm looking at the pictures. I can't even believe it. <laughs> Please remember to subscribe to us at, at iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. No, I really mean it. Please rate the show. Not this one, no. <laughs> it, it will give you a free image of Tom and myself. <laughs> no, wait, don't stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> it helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at SoundCloud, Podcast One, Radio Inc., Media Village, and Net News Check, at least until this week. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions, your comments, and your sob stories using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. And if you have a picture of yourself with Nicki Minaj, 
In Las Vegas, please send it to us. You can read the show notes and share the show at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, who has evidently put up with this entire fiasco for this long, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio from media. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For the incomparable Tom Asacker, I am Mark Ramsey, and thank you for listening. 